You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast.com and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Hello and welcome to the 133rd episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And this is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts. Hi guys, how's it going? It's going good. You guys pumped? You ready to podcast? Um... Just nah, like, not that into it. Let's do something else. Really? Hey, um, I had like hey, three cups of coffee you, and I'm ready to go. Hey, can uh, you guys keep talking? I've been uh, waiting for this uh, cycling tips paywall to um, go away for this uh, Tyler Hamilton interview that just posted. <laughs> I mean, I, it was a long 48 hours to wait for this article to um, show up on cyclingtips.com. But oh, wow. Oh, man. The redemption of Tyler Hamilton. Um, I haven't even started writing it yet, so I'm just going to do us all a favor. Um, you guys tell me words to start to uh, control F and find, and then we'll see if they're on here. <laughs> Chimera. Tugboat. Tugboat. Chimera is the first one not yes. on here. Tugboat. Uh, tugboat. Tugboat. No tugboat. What? This article already seems subpar. And, and no I don't remember anger. his wife's name. What's his Haven? wife's name? Haven. 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 Yeah. Nope. No Haven. Wow. Lance? Mm. Lance, three mentions. All right. Uh, that. Well, no, three mentions, one in the comments, one's a picture caption, and only one in the body of the article. Okay. So that's actually. Oh, not well, about... hell, if you search for Nazi, that's probably in the comments, too. <laughs> how, about, uh, how about collarbone? Nope, no collarbone. What? And, Reese. Uh, Reese. Let me just type in Phonak. Reese would be oh, good. No, Phonak. I, I don't even know what's going on here. Well, Bach. you know. Reese. Hey, guys. Guess who else isn't mentioned? Georgie Gabby? Yeah, not mentioned. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, guys, I will just bookmark that one. I'm going to read that in a little bit, and um, let's uh, let's just do some uh, other perusing of the. Oh, what's this? It looks like the UCI and the ASO aren't getting along again because now the um, the race organizers waited to the last minute to announce that they're going to drop the size of the team from nine to eight. Now, okay. normally, I just get all my. Race, professional race opinion from Jonathan Vodders on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And he was like, it's not that I'm even opposed to this. I just don't like how they announce it after I've already spent all my money on the team budget, which you're like, oh, okay. Like at least he's acknowledging that it's a good idea and they probably could have unveiled it the right way. But yeah, the Juro well, and the two are getting involved saying that race size is going from nine to eight. But they don't they- actually have the jurisdiction to say that they're not in charge of that. But they put on the races, little guy. Yeah, but they're not in charge. Well, can't UCI's they just UCI's in charge. Well, then there'll be a split up of the organization. Uh, it, there won't be. These they're like a they're like a pair of parents. One's just always trying to you know do something to get the other one upset so they can blackmail them. Okay, they're they're <laughs> they're like warring parents. They always do this over the holidays. It happens every year. Yep. You think it will be a nice Thanksgiving, and then ASO has to go start talking about racist shit again. And then all the UCI right. gets all upset. <laughs> so the ASO is our crazy uncle. Yep. And this gets us to the um, the part then. So what we're talking about is that the ASO, which runs the Tour and a bunch of other races, I think the Volta, and then you got the Giro, RCS Sport, 
and then the people behind the tour of Flanders and Ghent Velgum all announced that they were going to cut the field by a ninth of the size. So basically from nine riders to eight or 198 riders to 176. The UCI says, no, you can't do that this late in the season or it's not your jurisdiction. Now, I think it's a good idea to cut the race size. So how is this a bad thing? Well, do you think it's good to cut? Because they're going to cut teams down to eight, but are they going to just add another team? Because I'm assuming they just want to add a wild card team so they can throw a local team No, they're team saying in. that they're, no, from what I've read is that it's explicitly that, that they've agreed on the, the amount of teams in the races, but now it's strictly to cut the size of the Peloton because of the increasing road furniture that they're dealing with and for safety issues. Mm-hmm. Well, that was nice of them to all agree without talking to anybody else about it. Um, you know do you what? think it's a good idea, little guy? No, not really. You know what I find interesting is that, uh, you know, I, I, I agree that it's probably a good thing safety-wise because um, the Peloton was uh, getting a little unruly, but I think it's funny that they're changing the size of the actual Peloton of bike riders before they're dealing with the size of the Peloton of uh, motor cars and motorbikes around the races, which seem to be causing just as many if not more problems and probably more dangerous problems yeah i yeah yeah, i don't i don't see the rider thing being an issue in terms of size you could say that it's more interesting with eight riders well they're they're saying sky won't be able to control but i don't think the the safety thing is is a valid argument so to clarify they have also said that it is to excite the races and to take away the ability of one team to control so why why eight why not seven why not make a real Real, real. I think real I think eight is a step in the right direction. I am I am a big fan of this. Yeah, they probably could have uh, discussed this with all the stakeholders a little bit more. But this is an ASO power play. It's probably not going to go into effect this calendar year, but it will in the next year. Um, my dis my my problem with all these disagreements. It's kind of like with the um, when they had the uh, race radio ban. Remember, like it was a great idea, and then the teams just dumped it down, and we're like, "Well, fine, we're not going to do anything with the race radio." And they just like made made the racing on purpose less exciting. Um, and I, you know, look at the Olympics, how exciting that was without race radios. The so, Olympics is always the most exciting race because, yeah, you're right, because there's no race radios. You get guys who are usually workers, and it's smaller uh, teams. Have yeah, and have is it smaller teams? Well, it is smaller teams for some nations, not for some. Yeah, Namibia only has one. Yeah, <laughs> but Bam you doesn't know, have any help. That's Dan's. That's Dan's fault. That's that's not Basically, ASO's yeah. fault. Yeah. yeah, it's his fault. I mean, come on. I just, I'm a big fan of it. Now, Spencer, you alluded to the size of the motor cars and all of that. Mm-hmm. It seemed that that has been starting to get. You know, obviously, there's a lot more press on it because there's been so much damage over the last four or five years. I mean, just think of Johnny Hoogerland's uh, incident. You know, we forget about that from how much uh, crash and carnage has happened. But it seems that that one. That one can be addressed by the teams or by the uh, the motorcade specifically, and it seems like it's getting that way, like where they're they're putting a little bit more stringent um, uh, parameters yeah, to allowed in there. I think it. Uh, I think again, it boils down to a few a uh, few episodes back, we were talking about a uh, a league, like a governing body that wasn't the UCI or. Maybe it is the UCI, but it becomes more like a, a franchise-style thing where the races are... I don't, I don't even know how you would do it, but you know, it's more like the NFL, more like Major League Baseball, where there's actual ownership involved. Because right now you got like 
all these six different race promoters who promote the biggest events, like trying to one up each other and, you know, be the big player and the UCI is trying to be the big player. And then, you know, the I, teams are left I, in the lurch. I see. I would argue the opposite is that we have the UCI, we have the, we have the, biggest race organizers who obviously get along enough to come to this sort of thing together. What we need is a strong rider union. Yeah. So you have each faction like represented. You have a general overarching, you have the races and then, and you have the, the riders. Right. Yeah. I don't I mean, feel, I, the... I, the Velon is sort of the teams coming together in, in that sort of ownership state. And maybe there should be four seats at the table, but I feel like more people at the table is better than yeah. any one group getting more power. Yeah, I mean, it's it's annoying for Vodders to have to redo his uh, plans for the year, but it's even worse for the for the riders, right? Because like yeah. some of them aren't going to get prize money or they're not going to get UCI well, World Tour points and get jobs next year. Or... Well, the... that's the thing. They're not going to get jobs. Like, they're already, we're at this point in the year where we, we every year we spend this, like, November, December, like you see these stories of like riders who can't find jobs who are like yep. good riders. And then you get the stories coming out about like Italy about how half the freaking uh, pro Conti Italian teams are just uh, shitty cat ones whose dads have money. Yeah. You know, paying for their way under their crappy Italian team, who <laughs> then the Italians will lower the number of racers in the race and then throw an extra wild card team in. So somebody's sheet metal factory. Can have their team in the race, and that's what I'm saying. Like, like if it was a a little more legitimized, you know, as far as who who the owners of the teams were and stuff like that, and who got to, uh, you know, who got to participate, like, and then it gives something for the fans to follow. But we're we're way off topic with the small teams thing. But I mean, he brings up sheet metal factory here. We can't talk about this for a second. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Team Lamprey, they were the jam. Yeah, I think most of the Italian teams, like all those all those kits we love so much with the thousands of logos all over them, the reason that there's a thousand logos on them is because one dude on that team had a connection to this one company that was going to give five grand, so he got his ride on the team. You know what I mean? Like, that's how that works. So it's called hustling. It's called having a side hustle. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. So it's detrimental um, to the sport. And uh, <laughs> no. Little guy, did you see? Uh, I was thinking of you today. Cycling News posted an article about the uh, the founder of AG2R, and they like gave. I him, read uh, that. I read that. His like, avenue, uh, his nine riders, he's his dream team, and he and he selected and, ten. Yes. That, yeah, he selected ten, but I, I didn't even know that Vinokorov was a part of the AG2R team when he was. Yeah. On, with that casino was part of that. Yeah. Now, the yeah. casino team, Spencer. The casino team, they're the ones with the Spencer bibs, right? No, that was the no. uh, Panaria. Ah, oh, okay. Well, anyways, that's a. It was a pretty Not good the article. Bread company. We won't totally get into it, but the uh, well, the AG2R has been around a long, long time, and you know, yeah, ben. little man, guy, they've had a crazy kit transition. Speaking over the years. of random French kits, little guy, you know, I just bought a, a Bonjour jersey on uh, on eBay. Oh, did you? Yeah. Nice. Caitlin has the um, Caitlin has the socks, the gloves, and used to have the booties. Ah, didn't she? You really? had a hat, or did she have a hat? Somebody had a hat. She might have a hat too. Yeah. She was is, like, she got pretty deep into the bonjour. She never got bon- the jersey though. Now is the bonjour kit? That's the blue one, right? It's blue, yeah, just blue, and it's like like a like a book or a paper open, and like like yeah, a little right. head peeking over because they're reading. Oh, that's a really good. What one. about the old? Uh, 
I was a big fan of Thomas Vokler's one year in the uh, boula- the the bakery, the boulangerie or whatever. Oh, the year they had uh, Baloki. Speaking of things yeah. that you sent me, trying to send me that terrible giant justification for putting everybody on the same frame ten years the- ago. Ugh. Okay, so just a little backstory. I was doing a huge poster unveiling now that I own this new house. I need to be an adult. And I found this poster from 2004. Wait, so now that you need to be an adult, you're taking out all your posters and putting all your posters up. It's just so, but Josie Baloki, anyways, (laughs) Baloki on his one-size-fits-all giant um, TCR frame or whatever that that Manuelo Sayas made all of his riders have the same bike size this is like when george jask was also on like the you know mm-hmm. big german guy was also on the tiny little frame so they all match with the really long uh seat seat post and that was one of your favorites isn't it little guy yeah i really loved that idea that everyone should ride the same frame <laughs> small climbers big classics riders giant giant really were trying to sell the fact that they wanted to make one mold for those bikes and really make a serious profit off everyone they sold and try I to convince I think those bikes only came in like two sizes, right? Yeah, because they were being cheap <laughs> and they were trying to, and then by like making their pro team do that, they were trying to convince all of us idiots that were just getting into cycling that we should pony up for one of these frames, man. It doesn't matter what size it is. You just put a 9,000 meter stem on it. Yeah, good stuff. Um, other uh, news in the world of cycling that this one got a lot of flack across the, um, the interweb, especially on the high horse, um, individuals that we see on Twitter. And that's that red hook crit had its first positive, um, test, uh, sample, uh, Spencer, do you want to, uh, allude on that? Why are you asking me? Cause you, Cause you had the greatest, like, yeah, you've raced red hook. You are our man on the ground. You're our fixed gear snob. You're gonna, you're How gonna do you feel? How do you feel racing against dopers in such a elite level competition of a fixed gear criterion? I would say I'm not surprised that uh, that it attracts that level of a racer. Like that is a high level. That's a pretty fast person you'd have to be, to, uh, you know, that you could be. But I'm also not surprised that they got busted because Red Hook does do testing, which I actually think is pretty cool. I don't. I. I don't see a lot of testing happening at the uh, USA well, Cycling Races. You know what I mean? Well, we were talking about that last week, that there is more testing at USA Cycling Races than ever before, but I still felt that it wasn't a lot. Red Hook crit, there's only four crits in the series. This guy um, got banned for life. I mean, that's amazing. That yeah. I think that like when I was talking earlier, when I was mentioning the high horse that people were on on Twitter, they're just like, oh, fixed gear racing's jumped the shark. Even Velanews had that in their Twitter feed. And it's like, no, if anything... They're keeping the sport as clean as possible, and they're banning them for life. This is the same thing where Grand Fondo New York, um, uh, podcast sponsor, they've been testing for um, doping since the start, and they, they've gotten positive tests, and those people are yep. banned for life from the series. And they, you know, they get a bad rap. People are like, oh, dopers show up. Well, the only reason we know they're doping is because they're testing there. And I guarantee that there's them. people yeah. doping on your local group ride that are slaying it every single time. And that, <laughs> that stuff is out there. Yeah, yeah and no, I agree. Uh, I I am a f- I think there's no downside to downing to banning someone for life for the first offense of doping because you won't do it. You know what I mean? Like if you like racing bikes, you won't dope for it. You but know? if you have a contaminated supplement like Tom Danielson. 
that yeah is such a myth that I what I, I, no way no that just doesn't happen i don't believe anyone that ever says that i'm sorry like pay more attention or don't use supplements how about that yeah that's probably a good idea but what if your name is ricardo rico and you can't help it you were born with your blood pumping full of epo so this is the only explanation for how much epo is in that dude yeah, so true. let's speaking of doping at various levels, I, there's something that we got to talk about. One of my favorite things happening right now on social media is what Phil Guyman is doing in the oh, Los yeah, Angeles yeah. area as he is going around and just tackling all of the Strava KOMs in the area. And I think in the last two days he's gotten two of the bigger ones and he's taking out this Thorfinn Sasquatch. Well, of course, Thorfinn Sasquatch is a former. Um, a uh, racer who was uh, banned for, um, I think he was banned for like four years with EPO, Nick Brand Sorensen. Um, and there's a good Cycling Tips article about how this guy, like no one knew who he was and he was taking all the KOMs in Los Angeles. Well, he's got a new problem on his hands and now it's Guyman who's posting them all over and he's dominating this guy. Like, it is pretty hilarious. And Guyman just keeps like putting up like these little comments like in the, the feeds that are just like, yeah, it's a coveted KOM. I'm starting to feel bad about this. Almost like he's totally just going after this guy's KO game. I have nothing but respect for Phil Guyman at this point yeah, doing this. It's true. Hats off to him. That's pretty funny. <laughs> it's a good way to spend your retirement. Just what? embarrassing. Would be would be pretend uh, fast guys who have to dope to get there. Well, yeah. and the best part is he's like uh, one of the reads today is like no drugs, no lead out, <laughs> and just <laughs> I, I'm gonna have two put two pieces of pie. I think like he's. Clearly going after this guy. It's pretty hilarious. Rightfully so. That dude's a douchebag. That's some does that's some, seem like that's a some strong troll game going on. Was that Bill that was a cycling tips it. article about that guy? Yeah, a so there's a ago. cycling tips article called Who is Thorfinn Sasquatch? Go read it because it's kinda hilarious. And then he's a douchebag. I mean that's if you want the summary. Yeah. yeah. And then you and then you go read Phil Guyman's Instagram where he's just put up he's put up three now, because the best one is the He's like, got Latigo, and he, you're like, oh, Thorfinn Sasquatch sitting third. Oh, he beat him by 38 seconds or whatever. And then you're like, oh, who's that nice. in second? Oh, Levi Leipheimer. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Even Levi's <laughs> picking off his KOMs. I like it. <laughs> so it's a, I, you know, he should have retired earlier because this is, this is way better. Like this is every armchair cyclist out there uses Strava to test their talent and to see like, where they stack, and, and Guyman is going out and just absolutely crushing it, and it's awesome. It's like internet revenge. I Oh, man, I love it. Very nice. Good. So, the internet's uh, kind of cutting out, Tim. Do you want to talk about cyclocross a little bit? Well, you know, that's kind of where we're going, but I, I just didn't – I couldn't tell if uh, Spencer wanted to get into the uh, rough and tumble or the, um, the you know – the ins and outs of uh, good old-fashioned cyclocross action from Europe, where things well, <laughs> we never see. Some would say they don't do that in America, but then they actually do. They do, um, trust me. I know about it. Um, yeah. Do this in, in racing. I, I, I have no idea what you're getting at, Tim. You, you're going off on tangents. Um, I, how about this? How about what's... Let's talk about cross, but... You know, nothing really interesting happened this week, so... Uh, uh, a lot of interesting stuff happened. What's maybe the craziest thing you've seen personally, Tim, at a, at a cross race? 
Well, in 2007, maybe eight, I was at the uh, national championships in Kansas City. Uh-huh. And um, great race, awesome time. I'm just meandering. Maybe I had a few beers in me, not heckling because I didn't know any of these pro racers. I don't heckle. I'm just a nice guy that's out there um, cheering on my buddies. And all of a sudden, I see a crash in front of me. And I'm like, hey, um, that's that Jonathan Baker guy of Vitamin Cottage. And he had crashed into Adam Meyerson, like natural crash. It wasn't like anyone did anything on purpose, but Meyerson's bars got caught into his fork, kind of like it was a jumbled mess. And Baker just starts ripping the bike out. He's like, give me my bike. Oh, my God. And then he's like rubbing his bike and he's ripping his bike. Meyerson's being Adam Meyerson and being like, yo, man, slow down. Like, you know how like Meyerson does that? He's like, yo, man, like just calm down. We'll be able to get this out. Like Meyerson being the consummate professional. And then uh, Baker's like, give me my bike. Give me my bike. And Meyerson's like, slow down, dude. And then out of nowhere, Baker throws a punch at Meyerson's head, like like takes a swing, totally hits him. And I'm like, and at this point, I'm like, oh, my God. But I didn't have my camera phone out. I think I still had my Nextel brick. I don't know. Like, I didn't really yeah, I couldn't film, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then uh, they go on the race. I think Baker drops out. Meyerson, I'll just assume, got 16th place mm-hmm. at National Championships, um, was looking good out there. And uh uh, one of the commissaires of the race was uh, from Minnesota or, you know, I knew him or yeah. from Chicago. And I was like, hey, I saw that fight. Like Baker totally took a swing at Meyerson. Meyerson didn't do anything like Meyerson was like trying to act like a pro. And then about two months later, I got a phone call from uh, the chief investigator from USA Cycling that they hired to like investigate this uh, this punching incident, which then resulted in a three month suspension for Jonathan Baker of Vitamin Cottage, and we never heard of him again. Yeah, what was great about that, uh, in retrospect, was that he had booked his flights and stuff to go to Belgium to race like Masters Worlds and all that stuff, and uh, couldn't go because he was suspended. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that, Spencer. Yeah. Talk about getting your own. But, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I can't think of any cross fights that have ever happened. Like, yeah, none. Especially in in highbrow Europe. They don't do that in Europe. No, definitely Mm -hmm. not. That's some rough and tumble Bush League American stuff. That was for you, Bill. Obviously, we are being uh, a little tongue-in-cheek here because there was a great fight. Not even a great fight. There was a stupid fight. (laughs) In uh, at, at Ham, uh, the Dave so, Vey uh, competition in uh, in on Sunday. So. so I've watched the Zapruder film of this fight several times, mm-hmm. and to be honest, the Baker fight and Myerson fight was a little bit not or sorry wasn't as theatrical as this one. I mean, this one has it all. This one has the prelude. This one, this yeah, one has, has the punch. <laughs> this one has the complete flop into the snow fence. I mean. <laughs> This is like a full-on soccer match and NBA basketball fight all in one, and I absolutely love it. Yep. There needs to be more of this in cyclocross. See, I'm also someone that thinks that there needs to be more fighting in. Um, mm. well, you I was watched too much hockey. WWE in hockey. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I was. Not... I tweeted later, right? Well, during the race, while it was still going on, that I was planning to watch the Bruins game later that day, and I'd see less fighting in that game than I did during the cross race and turned out to be uh even actually one for one so i mean that was i mean cycling fights are just hilarious in nature because you got two weenie guys usually and they're little spandex and they got like these big mushroom helmets on and then they're like no upper body strength although 
So, I, don't, I think Bastions is the guy that pushes Jen yeah. Adams. Yeah. I mean, Bastions got some strength because he threw that guy across the course into the snow fence. That was pretty amazing. That, that was, was pretty good. Part. I, mean, I feel so. like he had the uh, height like on the off camber. He was higher up advantage, and uh, obviously uh, Jens Adams was not expecting to get shoved during the He should have because he freaking chopped bastions before that corner going into so that guy, corner are you saying adams deserved the the push hurt around right. the cyclocross world I, I should probably watch it again i only watched it live but it to me it looked like bastions ran into adams adams got upset started some shit then they bastions tells him to you know go screw himself they go around the next corner and it looks like adams chops bastions on purpose in that next corner well he was and then foot. Yeah, and then but he looks like he takes him down on purpose, and then Bastion throws him across the course into the snow fence as retaliation, and gets on his bike and leaves. So you know what I think of when I when I thought of this is like yeah, they came together a little bit, or or Jens crashed his bike or whatever, and they came together, and Jens is running and cuts off Bastion at the corner to try and get you know stay in the group or stay in contact or keep that group behind him or whatever mm-hmm. the thing Malice. was. And then they fall down and they get all butthurt and start shoving each other. Um, yeah. I think about the clip from just a few weeks ago where Wout and Vanderpool were totally battling <laughs> in the sand around the corner and like dive bombing each other every lap. And finally, uh, and one of them foot downs and just sprints around the other one and like jams his bike in front at the next corner. And, and how we all thought that was amazing racing and how it was so cool. And that how you can be calm and composed and do that when you're a good bike racer, but when you're just a scrub zone Euro guy, you're you take it really personally and you you can't handle it and you start fighting each other. It's that's a that's a really good juxtaposition. Like when you're talking about the scrub zone versus like the the pros in the front that are yeah. gonna be at the front of like, cyclocross for the next two years before they go to road racing yeah. and we never hear of them again. Um, that you know that they, they're not punching each other yeah, they're racing rub, like rubbing <laughs> is racing you know like you're gonna come together at some point and everybody knows it's not usually personal and even if it is beat them on the course man don't be don't shut now, them down it's now too- i most people don't know this because i didn't know this is that one of these guys is actually uh uh vouts uh Vout van art's uh teammate well, well the other know. one's vanderpool's teammate exactly yeah, so yeah. do you guys think that these, like, now, Spencer, you're into hockey now. Do you think that these are um, the enforcers, right? Like, these are the muscle guys that are like, well, I'm the third line forward. I'm never going to score a goal anyway. So you mess with my guy, I'm going to mess with you. And then they just, like, started fighting for the contract. Because it could be that. No, I don't think cycling no. works that way. I think if you get suspended from, from racing, you're going to have a bad time trying to get a contract. <laughs> Because yeah. uh, much like our friend Jonathan Baker, who is not our friend, got suspended for three months uh, for his fight, uh, I'm thinking Bastion's probably going to get a suspension out of this. He did get DQ'd from the race. Uh, Jens did Adams, anything happen to Adams? Adams did not get DQ'd. There was rumor that he did uh, while, he was, while the race was happening. But if you watch uh, the actual incident, he never lays a hand on Bastion's. He doesn't shove him. He doesn't fight back. He's just kind of like gives him a what the hell are you doing kind of look and they keep racing bastions pulls himself out later i don't know if he knew that he was dq'd or had a suspicion that he was jens uh went on to finish 12th so lesson learned so now little guy on to the actual raising of the weekend do you think it's time for me to end the anybody but vout fan club and make it 
please vote win a race fan club think, because Vanderpool is on yeah, a tear. I think you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to reevaluate your your club because he's not gonna beat Vanderpool anytime soon. I think. Oh, it's a, it's kind of tough. I mean, how long is it before these guys are out of cyclocross as is? Right? Like, I can't imagine they're gonna be sticking around. Like, the Belgian the Belgian cycling media has to want these guys to go like fill top yeah. shoes or something. Because it's not Edward Thunes is just coming back now from his Tour de France crash, right? Like, yeah. Like, who is the future of Belgian classics racing? And it uh, could be one of these guys. Tom Boonen. Well, Steve. Vanderpool's Dutch, so they don't give a shit. Ah, They're hoping he point. stays in I cross. About that. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> good point. <laughs> I think they've each got a year, a year or two on their contract, so but, I think we've got yeah. at least another year. I don't know, man. I. Lars Boom did all right transferring over, and but he's kind of fallen off the map. Stebar has obviously done very well for himself on the road, but guys like Vandahar, you know, even Sven Nies raced on the road a little bit. Like, eh, you know, it doesn't always transfer. Well, it's yeah. like the remember Teo Boss. Yeah, like yeah. that dude was a machine. I know his track racing, but every four years he was like solid gold, guaranteed in the Olympics, and man. Nothing is like he he'll maybe win or get a top 10 in like some B level sprint at the tour yeah. of Portugal. Or something. He's he's most famous for a crash at the tour of Turkey. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Well, what would you rather do be the best at on the boards and have 17 people watching you or be or be <laughs> well, in the road race? That's what you like, would think, but cross, I think, is a little different because like at least you're either at the t- you're at the top across you got lots of fans you got sponsors you're actually making decent money you're making unbelievably amount more money than you would on the track more than know? likely but here's the thing track racing is still strong i mean look 6 days of ghent for the first time in its events history sold out pre like you could not walk up to the window yeah but that's cuz a road racer showed up a retired road racer came out of retirement uh, to he's race He's not retired anymore thing. now he's back uh, and of course, we're talking about Bradley Wiggins, who still has not officially retired, and now is talking about coming back. Um, uh, well, you know, yeah. he uh, he he has a place to go if he wants to come back. I think because did you see the brand new Team Bahrain Maradia uh, kit release? No, no, I did. I was just about to bring that up, Spencer. Yeah, they uh, they look good. I'm gonna say that. They're mostly red with uh, navy blue sleeves and a little bit of gold uh, piping on there. And I got to say, they look a lot like the Wiggins kits. Really? Yeah. Uh, mm. No, I, I haven't seen it yet. I, think th- I feel like the red and the navy are the same. Uh, a little bit of gold hints in there. I don't know. Now, the only picture I've seen of it, Spencer, is with the um, the owner, the, uh, the Prince of Bahrain, who is known... Uh, so some people are awfully, a lot of people are calling him out for his human rights violations. Um, and, and then, uh, that red kid is pretty striking. I mean, I think red is a color that could be returned to the Peloton for sure, but I just return Katusha Kunfidis. No, like this, what do you mean? No, they're red. No, Katusha is not red. Katusha is like, no, they have, it's kind of, what the hell is wrong with you? It's It's got got white in there. I'm talking That's the all the red kit. Kofidis co- has too much white on it. Oh my god. Okay, the really? Kofidis okay. kit. Lotto? Yeah, true. Thank you. Lotto, the, Lotto's good. The Kofidis kit and the Katusha <laughs> kit are the exact same kit. Yeah, they are pretty much. You're right. Are they? <laughs> they are full red. 
the Katusha just has a big weird K on the back. Yeah, ah, that's right. That's right. Thank you. They did the Mostly redesign. Red. I was thinking yeah. of the Onion Dome uh, Katusha kits. Yeah, I totally forgot are, about the new lifestyle brand. Those are the I, yeah. the I apologize. There's way too much red in the Peloton. This Merida kit totally needs to be going away. Like, there's not enough red. You know what colors there needs to be? Green. Like, where's a gr- solid green team? Because the other kit release we got last week was the new Astana team kit. Oh, bringing back the gradient. Like, it's 1998 from blue to black to just... Mm-hmm. Horrible. Yeah. I'm most offended. The Astana kit, I'm most offended by the hits of yellow on that. Like the gradient is not good, but there's like this pop of yellow on the on the cuff of the sleeve and then the opposing cuff of the leg that I uh I don't know why, but I'm just it irks me. That's just so they're ready when Aru gets into the yellow jersey, they can flip it and that can be blue on the yellow jersey. Boom. So is awesome. red now with this Merida kit low guy is is red now the most popular color in the Peloton? Well, you got BMC too, unless they change oh, it up. Yeah. Well, they're changing, aren't they? Becoming tag hewer or whatever. Well, I, guess I don't, we don't know that that changes their color though. Huh? Yeah. They can't be like silver. They can't look like a silver so, watch. So what colors are left? Okay, you can be really kick-ass. You could have green. Yeah. Right, or you could have like a royal purple. Like purple there's, would be a pretty badass. There's no royal purple. No, no royal purple. Um, you know, for the early 2000s, it was blue. Every single team had blue. Yeah. And then we moved to black in the late 2000s, uh, like where every ooh. single team had black. And now we move to red, you know. You know, green, the Credit Agricole um, color is always a classic kit that green could also just absolutely tear it up. So there you go. Green, yeah. um, you could go to the all-white. Oh, can't go to the all-white kit because FDJ is coming back to the all-white. So that's also some uh, solid news that I know you'll love, little guy. Yeah. This yeah. looks pretty good. Uh, the, yeah, it looks all right. The French teams, they, they usually do a good job, other than Comfortus, but with, who knows what their problem is. They've been pissing money away for so long. I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh. Except except their dude, that dude, that Vincent Clement dude, the the cross racer from Comfortus who who showed up last year at the end of the year, suddenly was pulling top tens of big events. He's back. He's gotten a couple top top fives, I think. He got fourth. or I don't know. Anyway. He's back. We've got a French hope in cyclocross because, unfortunately, Murray and, and uh, Gadre are getting too old, and they are not pulling the big results anymore. And that dude with the naked lady on his kit, yeah. we don't know where he is, and we don't know his name. So <laughs> he's back. The the confidence guy, uh, he's back, and I'm excited because this could be his year. He's going to pull a big upset at Worlds. All right. And then the other... the. The only other new kit that I saw come out this last week, guys, is the uh, Dimension Data kit. But that's pretty much, I mean, it's, it's that white, different? black, and green. Yeah, I couldn't tell if that was any different. Yeah. it's It seems like the belly is a little bit more exposed. Like, it's just, <laughs> you know, like, there's no, like, there's not a graphic there, maybe that's what it is? I don't know. Some of these kit reveals, when they when I see it, it, like, pops up on these cycling websites, and it's like, the new kit, and I'm like, I can't for the life of me tell what the difference is in that. The only cool thing about the Dimension Data kit reveal was the three national champions that they've got, and then how they put the national champion flag in that um, space below the Dimension Data logo. So it's like a universal kit that has like, and then it's just like, oh, here's the Norwegian flag, here's the South African flag, here's the Eritrean flag, I believe. I didn't like how they did that actually. I didn't. I didn't. I'm a big (coughs) fan of the uh, the full kit being a flag. The full. Rather than yeah, 
this is like, uh, you know, from the chest down, nipples down, you're representing your country. But like, I don't know. I feel like that's a full, should get yeah. the full jersey treatment, you know? I kind of feel like the only, well, like the Norwegian, a lot of Norwegian mm-hmm. kits have been good. But I feel like French teams are the best about respecting the national kit. Yeah. Like when FDJ has a French national champ, there's like, they like take logos off that thing. It's yeah. just the jersey. It's like, that's it. That's all we want to see. Like when Tommy Vokler's had it, it's like, I just feel like they're like, you cannot sully that. That is the most prestigious thing in the world. Yeah. You do not mess yeah. with that. Whereas the but, Italian, Nibali gets it, and it's just like Astana just gives him like a one inch other... by three inch zone to put his national jersey in. Yeah. Didn't it? Well, then like Movistar only has a little trailing edge of the flag for the Spanish kit for Valverde yeah. for those years. So yeah, but they didn't... gave his whole bike a thousand freaking Spanish colors. Yeah, but what about the um, Italian before Nibali was the champion for those years? What I mean, yeah, who, who was that little guy? Like, who was didn't, that? Didn't the Bettini who? always have like a nice looking green? No, no, I have to. Oh, uh, you want to talk about uh, Visconti? Oh God, that was gross. <laughs> I was thinking about that guy that was on Orica for for a year or two. That ah. I forget which team he transferred to now. He had the Orica green. They did up the the Italian kid pretty nice for him. What he was happy and he left the team. But it, I, hey, guys, I, he, I let's stay on our high horse I, here. I can't, where are you going with this? We we got to stay on our high horse here because the American national kit has had two fantastic renditions over the years. First off, we have Levi Leipheimer's uh, Astana team kit with the, with the outline of the stars. Like It was like a red outline of a star and just randomly placed. But that had no one, no one even close to fan of the podcast, Tyler Hamilton's Rock Racing National Championship kit oh. that was didn't even, I think, got raced, raced in because he got busted, um, you know, like a yeah. month after winning. But... That thing was pretty amazing with just the spray paint, red, white, and blue. <laughs> Everything so about rock racing yeah. is so terrible. You know, you guys, I can't even, I'm trying to, I'm really racking my brain right now. I do not know who the American national champ is. Is it Greg Brandt? No. That doesn't ring a bell. Spencer, who's the national champ? Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, wow. We're all on pro cycling. Wow. He's, uh, we have all been DQ'd from our on, podcast. Yeah. He's definitely on that Hagen's Berman Action team, whatever their name is. I think it's Greg Brandt. That's how I'm going to put money down, but let's... Uh, no, I don't know who that is. It's the other kid. It's not Taylor Finney. Not Taylor Finney. He's, no. he's the time trial champion. It's like, it the 20-year-old kid. Like, oh, yeah, Gregory yeah, yeah. Daniel. Gregory Daniel. There you go. Yeah, okay. I, I at least got wow. the first name right. Nailed it. Um. Anyway... Speaking of national championships and kits, you know what? You know what's exciting for me is huge fan number one fan of the pod, Dan from Nam announced that he has re-signed with Cycling Academy team, and they've got they've got the greatest national championship kits. You think so? I own one, but anyway, they also (laughs) announced that they're moving up. From continental to pro continental uh, next year, that so is we're right. going to see them at more races. Cool. That is, they do have some pretty cool uh, national championship kits. I totally forgot about that. Because they, they, they have also like have the Israeli national, national champions. <laughs> They've got like all the countries you forget are countries, like uh, the Estonian yeah, national champions, and they've got the Estonia, like, That's going to be a little guy. They've got tons of them. They've got like six or eight national champions on that team. It's crazy. 
Started my training yesterday to become Estonian national champion. Uh, you, this should, year. you should maybe aim for like Latvia or somewhere else. I don't know. Or oh, dude, discussed. Latvia's probably got some fast dudes. I'm Anthony Clark, just hanging out, sliding into the Slow Ride podcast. So, once again, the Slow Ride podcast is going to be brought to you by the members of the Wide Angle Podium Network. You can go to wideanglepodium.com to learn more about our um, family of shows. There's a new uh, Honest Bicycle program out right now that has a couple of interviews from the New England cyclocross scene. And also you have a new um, – they don't do that in Europe, which I listened to last week that uh, talked a lot about cyclocross on the Crosshairs Radio Hour. So – Good stuff across the board on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Yeah. Did you see the uh, the new Honest Bicycle program that just came out today? That's what I just said. That they have all those interviews, well, like Ellen Noble, right? Ellen Noble and uh, yeah, yeah, Dan Chabanov. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's uh, we gotta get back up on our game. They're coming. Yeah, they're, some interviews. they're coming for the crown. They're coming from the crown, and they best not miss. But um, we, we have some good ones up in our up our sleeves, I think, for some good interviews. So yeah, I'm pretty good. excited about some of the ones. Hmm. All right. Good. <laughs> First Spencer, I heard of it. The other big news is that you finally have mailed out all of those Wide Angle Podium subscribers from our fun drive. All of their water bottles, shirts, sticker packages, everything is now out in the... Uh, in the wild. Yeah, the last uh, packages are going out in the next day or two here, uh, but everything's packed up and ready to go. And uh, so, yeah, people, if they, most people have gotten theirs already. There's definitely a few people that uh, are, are going to be seeing theirs in the next couple of days. So that's, yeah. And, and if people don't get them, like, should they just email you and be like, hey, I haven't gotten mine yet? And you'll be like, hey, you didn't sign up. Nice try, jerk. No, uh, they they will definitely get theirs. I've got an exhaustive list of people that uh, that I need to send stuff to. You know, it was a lot of work, kind of corralling all those names and addresses and getting all that stuff done. And uh, I really underestimated the amount of work that it would be. So uh, I had to buy a, a label printer and Whoa. some other things. So those are those are some of the things that that the Wide Angle Podium funds are going to uh, going towards. You know, making our lives easier here helping us help you and uh, get these water bottles out. Actually, the water bottles themselves also came from that fund. So we appreciate it. You should get it. an intern. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Once I crack a couple hundred more donors, um, <laughs> you know, I'll be able to afford Jimmy from down the street, the 12-year-old who uh, is looking for summer internships. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, you nice. just get, like, some college kid and tell him that it's going to be – you know, super prestigious and, and like a big deal. And then you just kind of like lock them in that room there and have them packing boxes all summer. Yeah. Big resume builder. Go get me some coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Then you Perfect. slap it out of their hand when they bring it back. I said, no foam. <laughs> no foam. <laughs> Little guy, noted big coffee drinker. I can tell. <laughs> coffee has foam, right? People yeah. always say, do you want foam on the top? And I say, no, I, I what? you don't put foam on the coffee no i don't think so i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna go over to velo news and look at that 
cycling and coffee article they had the other day, which was obviously not filler because it's the slow season mm-hmm. and learn some things about coffee. Okay. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Orange, Zadel. News. Orange Zadel gave us a five-star review. And That's we always ask people to review us on um, iTunes. And an hour is not going to kill you. If you're ever stuck on a Sunday night in the ADA room of the Best Western in Mason, Ohio, and pondering what your life has become, just pause for a moment and give these guys a listen. It's totally worth it. And besides, another hour is not going to kill you. A-plus style, A-plus intro, A-minus content, and C-minus foreign name pronunciation. So thanks for the great review. And I do want to point out that this person is a winner because one of our favorite tips is that you can always make the request when you get to the hotel um, for one of their uh, ADA rooms if you're doing the uh, like a muddy cyclocross race because that means that they have a shower mm-hmm. that like you can wheel your bike into, which is a great way to just wash your bike. Yep. And I, it's one of like the I don't know that if is... we stumbled upon that accidentally or if someone thought of that once and no, it was we, really yeah. convenient. It is it is one of the uh, seasoned veteran tips that we can give you as far as cross racing is concerned. Yeah, I liked it after uh, cross nationals a few years ago, because, not to wash my bike, but because I, I couldn't lift my legs high enough to get over that edge of the tub. <laughs> this way I could just sort of shuffle my useless legs into the tub. Yeah, it was helpful. Yeah. And Eric Keller gives us a five star review. He says, hey, this podcast is too good to last. Listen while you can, because this podcast is too good to last. The mainstream media will be paying millions for the show, and it will be soon overrun with less than witty banter of Bob Costas and Al Roker. One of the original casters apparently plays classical guitar, who doesn't like Tariga, and another apparently reads, all of which is sure to pique further interest among mainstream buyers and investors. So I don't know if that interview um, or if that review was meant for another show, but um, I think it's probably for ours. Little guy plays classical, classical guitar. I was yes. worried at first that it was a threat, like so who, who's that the we one weren't that long for this world. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Yeah, well, those are the reviews. And as always, you can email us, too, at theslowridepodcast at gmail.com. Um, we did get a, uh, a quick email this week from a friend of the podcast, Derek Lewis. He did just want to mention that the um, country of choice, because last week we talked about the countries that we would go to or that we would run if we became the, uh, you know, if we were looking. I was Iceland. Um, little guy was Estonia. I think Spencer was. Um, so cycling safe havens. from Yeah, uh, cycling safe havens. Yeah. And uh, what was yours again, Spencer? Uh, Namibia. Namibia. How are you going uh, to Portugal? Nope. Changed it to Namibia. That was Tim's, I think, was Portugal. Yeah, and then Spencer. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, Derek uh, Lewis's is the country of Guadeloupe, which I'm pretty sure isn't even a country. I think it's just like a foreign dependent of uh, France, but Guadeloupe of the. Uh, he said it's the Mallorca of the Caribbean, I believe. Oh, that sounds nice. You might get bored of those roads, though. Yeah, when you and do then... that one three mile loop over and over again. Over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And a uh, fan of the podcast, Kevin Dolan, also emailed us to say, hey, um, did you guys uh, you guys want to discuss the changes of the Omnium at the Olympics? And this is hey, actually... I got to go. I got to leave now. So you guys just... Uh, <laughs> shit, I got something that just came up. You guys finish the podcast, okay? <laughs> oh, man, that's a bummer. 
Little guy, uh, I, I'm sorry you can't leave the pod because I've actually got something that just came oh, in as well. No, I'm leaving. So I need you to Bye. stick here because <laughs> he's gone. All right, I'll see you guys later. Oh, man. Well, good stuff across the board as the Omnium has completely changed in the Olympics. Oh, with, you're still um... talking about it. Stop it. <laughs> but little guy, they've added the tempo to the Olympic Games. There's no I'm... more time trials. The tempo is the worst. It is my least favorite race. Yeah, but they've they've gotten rid of the flying lap, the the kilo. The flying lap is cool. <laughs> the flying lap is cool. You get all that tension and then boom. Oh, I don't know, man. I'm pretty <laughs> stoked on this, guys. But we don't need to talk about it anymore. <clears throat> all right. Fair enough. Hey, look, guy, you had a question that's been uh, rumming around, rummaging around your brain. <laughs> It's been rumming around in my brain. I've been drunk for three weeks, people. Um, <laughs> what's new? Uh, what's new? Woo! Mess life. I was one. I was going to ask you guys what your least favorite bike part is. Like, what part of the bike? It doesn't have to be a part that's on every bike. But what's something that you hate? That like you, if you see a bike with this part, it doesn't have to be like a company. Just whatever. Just like a thing you see on a bike and you hate it. Maybe you hate the way a certain uh, component is made. Just something that just like makes your skin crawl. Well, I have two things. One I see on someone else's bike and one that I've just never been able to master to work on. So first off, I'll go with the ones on my bike. Any type of cantilever, mini V brake, anything like that baffles my mind because A, I bring it to the bike shop because I trust professionals to fix my bike. And so I'll happily pay for uh, service uh, on my bike. And when they tighten the cables on the cantilever, I can never like get it back into the, like, so I have to take the wheel off to put it like on my roof rack or in the back of the car. And they, they've made it so tight that then I can't like put the brake, like reattach yeah. the brake and the pull on one side that drives me nuts. And then they of course wrong, I'm like, man. well, I'm just going to loosen it a little bit and that will totally, and I do that and brrr, the whole thing just collapses in my mind and. <laughs> Then I've got a horrible rub on one side of the rim, so absolutely despise cantilever and to a lesser extent mini V brakes. Um, but I'll never go to uh, disc brakes because they're just ugly. So, so you're just you're never gonna be able to brake on a cross bike or a mountain bike yet. No, no, no. I'll like where no disc brakes on a mountain bike, sure, that's fine. Ah. That's cool. But on a cross bike, I'll use the Canty. I use mini V's now because we don't have the mud here. So they're a little bit better than Canty's, but I've never had a good experience with Canty brakes. Hmm. All right. And then as far as if I see someone else riding it, and like I, I know that I espouse waving at all fellow cyclists, and I do. But if I'm on a ride with in a group ride with someone and that individual is in a camelback, yeah, that's a good thing. Like, not on a bike, but uh, on a road it. bike, it's yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'll take you to the next slide. If they don't have a, if they have a Camelback, they more than likely have a like pie plate above their like the the the, the protector on the wheel behind the cassette that yeah. plastic piece, yeah. or they have reflectors on their bike. Those okay, whatever. You just bought a bike. You don't know that you got to take that off. If you are on a road ride and you have a Camelback, like that makes my skin crawl because I'm like what like it's not like they're they have it under the jersey so it's discreet maybe some aerodynamic advantage yeah you know? what if your name is frank schleck and you're doing a time trial 
that you know then it's a time trial it's just it makes my skin crawl a little bit and it's just because no one has gone up to him and nicely said something like hey you thirsty and actually the next thing that makes my skin crawl are individuals that are on a group ride that wear headphones that's the next thing so i know these aren't bike parts but if you got headphones and you're on a group ride why the hell did you come on the group ride like a it's not safe because if someone calls something out and you're listening to your Bohemian Rhapsody right before you're about to put down the hammer on the sprint, then you know you gotta people call it out and you don't hear them. And also, it's completely rude. Don't go on a group ride because what if someone comes up to you and is like, "Hey, man, do you watch the game today?" And then they, you can't hear them because you have your headphones in. Bohemian Rhapsody was your poll. That's a good one, man. I'd listen to that while I was biking. <laughs> it's like the buildup. I mean, it's like Bohemian Rhapsody is the classic like. Yeah. You know, it's it's I like a bike so. race in a song, right? Like the slow anticipation, the all-out sprint, and then just kind of the, oh, we lost. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, yeah, I guess that's fine. It seems strange. So anyway, I'm off right. my high horse. That's good. That, ho- that horse was real tall. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know what my least favorite bike part is. I mean, I have things... I have things that I personally don't like. Uh, I wouldn't want on my bike. And I have things that offend me when I see them on other people's bikes. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. But I do understand the purpose of all these things and their place in the world. So I've got one thing that doesn't belong in the world. Interesting. <laughs> well, I'll tell I you what mine are. Like, mine personally, my most, the most frustrated I've ever been with a bike part, and it's 100% my fault and not the bike part's fault, was uh, was the season or two that I had DI2. Yeah. Um, because I ended up going on rides <laughs> in classic Spencer fashion, just like last minute grabbing all my stuff and trying to leave and behind schedule and I'm, you know, 10 minutes late for the group ride and getting, I don't know, 15 minutes away from the house and realizing I didn't have the battery on the bike. The battery is still on the charger. Yeah, that's happened to me, too. And being like, oh, shit. We know it hasn't happened to Little Guy, but yeah, I, uh, it's definitely happened to us. Yeah, Little Guy doesn't have the electronic experience, but man, that was terrible. And then if I did remember the battery or if I left it on the bike, there's a good chance, you know, towards the end of that three-hour ride, it was just going to run out of juice and I'd be screwed, like it, not being able to shift. So I never had the battery run out on me. What happens when the battery runs out? Does it just does it go to like a de- like a set gear and it's just like okay, this no. is what you're stuck with? Yeah. Or just, are you in the fifty three eleven for the rest of the day? It's just wherever it is when it died. Yeah, it doesn't move anymore. And uh, really, it's I mean it's clever in that it it takes more juice to move the front derailleur, so it stops letting you do that when the battery gets to a low point, and uh, it only shifts the rear for you. But then, you know. If you don't notice that it's going to die, you know, I, I've definitely spun my way home in like a pretty easy gear <laughs> because I got stuck. Um, so that that's my that's my uh, my personal, you know, and that's all my fault. That's got nothing to do with DI2. People who are responsible will probably have a great time with DI2, but <laughs> not me. That should be the ad. It should say uh, DI2 charge responsibly or something. And, and yeah. who do you? What, how about you, little guy? Well, I'm thinking it's something that I see. So the thing I see, it's those adapters that adapt a quill stem to a threadless oh my God. stem. I hate that. They're terrifying. With, it's, so number one, 
why did you do that? Just get a nice quill stem. If you're doing that, if you're putting that adapter on your bike, you're not benefiting from the added stiffness of the threadless stem or any of that crap because you're, one, you're going to jack it up 12 feet in the air, and two, you're probably riding a Raleigh from 1973 that still has the original tires. But two, it's usually paired with the ugliest black stem that the person can find in the $1 bin at the shop. And I yep. know yep. it's just, I just don't understand. Quill stems work. They work. Just use them if you have one. If you have a one-inch threaded, just, I'm sorry, you have a one-inch threaded. That's You have to accept that. That's, that's your lot in life. It's the, <laughs> it's the worst. Oh, God. I saw one the other day. I parked next to this bike the other day. I was looking, and I was like, oh, that stem. Oh, it's threat. Oh, the conversion. And I realized that part, it's like $15 from Problem Solvers. It shouldn't exist. Yeah, it's a problem that didn't need to be solved, right? Like, it's a problem that did not need it did not need to be solved. Yeah, yeah. Like why? Why? It's not like we don't have quill stems. We have them still. If we lived in a world where quill stems had suddenly been raptured out well, of existence, and we had to convert every bike to yeah. threadless to save the bikes, I would if, be fine. If we that. lived in a world where quill stems were outlawed, only yeah. out, only outlaws would have quill stems, little guy. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so that's my thing. I oh, just ugh. It's so, so my gross. Uh, my my. How uh, often do you see those though, little guy? I see I see one or two a day because they're all over the bike racks downtown. There's all these because of like dumb fixies that like people are like, oh, well, I'm just no, gonna get the. I'm blaming I'm blaming bike shop employees that don't put their foot down when somebody comes in with like an older bike and they're like. I want these bars. And they're like, well, those are the wrong size. Can I? They don't just like direct them over to some bars that would fit on the stem they have. They just sort of facilitate and like give in to these people. Mm-hmm. You got to put your foot down and say, no, we are not going to do that here. I don't care if this is an Eric's. We have standards. Yeah. We will not adapt your quill stem with an adapter to a, a one inch threaded or threadless oh. <laughs> stem. That goes to a 31.6 to put your ergo yeah. bars on there. <laughs> you don't need, like, if you're riding a bike that has a one-inch threaded, you don't need 31.6 bars. I'm sorry. Like, it's, <laughs> you're just, you're ruining it for yourself. Uh, I see it all the time. And you're, you you have a good enough eye to, like, like oh, yeah, I guess I, mean, like, they're, I, they're, I know what a cool like stem a, looks like. They're like a but... wart on somebody's face. You yeah, know? it's totally, you can't look. It. Yeah, it's the only thing you can see. The rest of the bike could be the most beautiful thing in the world, but you're just like fixated on this this terrible like bleeding wart yeah. on the front of the bike. Like, I I do have a good enough. I I also I mean I spend all day like inspecting bike racks when I'm when I'm downtown at work, like for yeah. cool things in the racks that I can leave notes on that I'll you know give me a call. I'll buy this. No one ever oh no one ever gets back to me. <laughs> That's weird. Well, it's not weird. I understand, but I've got to take a shot because occasionally there's some real gems in the bike racks, oh. and um, you got to try. You know, if you, if you never ask the bike if it wants to come home with you and be your bike, it, you know, you never, it'll never happen. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, so anyway. what kind of bikes do you leave messages on? Like, what? Like, is are you like, hey, I like your saddle, or is it like I want to buy the complete bike? Uh, the last two have been specialized from the early '80s. Uh, a really nice stump jumper, fully original, primo stuff. I left a note on that. 
no-go. It's still there. It's still locked up with a cable lock to just to like the front wheel all the time, and it drives me nuts. Someone's going to uh, steal it. And then they're going to uh, blame you. They're going to bring it to like probably, some hand, the probably, They're yeah. going to bring some handwriting expert be like, oh, this looks like uh, the little guy. Well, they've got my phone number. I mean, I gave them my phone number. <laughs> Um, the other one was a old specialized touring bike that's exactly the same as Caitlin's that I saw at the U of M. Um, totally the same size, same color, same parts, other than an ugly stem. It was still quill, but it was ugly. Um, and I was like, backup bike. She's going to need another one someday. Something might happen to that one. I'll try to buy her a second one. Didn't work. Hey guys. Well, next time you leave a note, make sure you uh, take a picture of it. I, I'd like to kind of right. see it. I was, I'll just leave your number next time and have you forward a message to me. Spencer on the newswire. We got some breaking news coming through our okay. Twitter feed right now uh, from a listener, Jonathan Crane, who. Good dude. Who, responding to the uh, Red Hook crit news that we talked about earlier with the doping positive. Um, he, he tweeted that at Vela News and us and Crosshairs uh, saying, hey, everybody's talking about this uh, surprise doping positive. Look at this tweet of mine uh, from back in July where he said, does Red Hook crit do doping controls? Because I'm watching the replay and the Colombian with the face mask looks pretty suspect smashing Daniel Holloway. And that's Boom. the dude? Boom. Nice. Is that Call the guy that out. got tested positive? It was a Colombian dude, so I'm going to assume that it was. But uh, that he had a is, face uh, mask on. I don't know what goes on in these races. Come on, he's you, racing you're... like with a Jason mask. <laughs> the point that, of the story. I mean, that is pretty guy. suspect if he had a mask on. Point okay. of the yeah, story is that uh, yeah, if you're turning the screws on Daniel Holloway, yeah, you might, and nobody knows who you are, you might run around, you might raise some red flags. So yeah. there may have been other. Colombian racers there, I guess. I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure this one out. We'll have to, we'll have to look into this one. Okay. I'm worried You're about this mask situation. Liars. That's fine. I'm not calling him a liar. I love that story. That's what we need more of. Nice. Good stuff. I think at that, Spencer, with our up-to-date news hound of a uh, group of listeners, right? Our listeners that are calling their shots before it's even done. Um, we should end the podcast there. And so, Jonathan Crane, um, congratulations to you for calling it out. And we're going to give you a, um, a nice, big, hearty wave the next time we see you riding a bike. And um, we'd like to thank BK1 of Rhymesayers Entertainment for the intro and outro music. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the Wide Angle Podium Network subscribers, listen to the other shows, Consummate Athlete, Virus and Line, Honest Working Bicycle Program. We also have, uh, I think I nailed that one. We also have the Crosshairs Radio and Kids Don't Follow. <laughs> Consummate athlete. Did you say that? I said that one. I got that one. I nailed that one. All right. Well, and with that, do you guys have anything else to add? Uh, don't ride like my brother. <laughs> don't ride like my brother. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod.